Greetings, Cyberspace, and welcome to episode 121 of the Double Density Podcast. This week is a little different, as you can hear from the intro. Brian's on his honeymoon, so I've asked friends of the show, Alex and Tyler, from RGBA to help me out with the hosting duties. So welcome, Alex and Tyler. Thank you very much. Thank you. Since I invited a couple of tech experts on the show, since you guys are the, the you know big time developers, we wanted to talk about like some stuff that's going on. We're all Mac users, and uh, a couple of us here have not updated to Catalina, but one of us has. So, uh, Alex, how's been the update? I'm the only one. Yeah, you are the only one. Brian, wow. Uh, I was gonna say Brian and I, but Brian can't even update to Catalina. Uh, but Tyler and I are not going to be updating for now. I did my duties. I ran uh, Go64 to make sure that I wasn't, was not going to lose too many apps and ended up only using one suite of apps, which was a very old uh, benchmarking tools. So one app for benchmarking the speed of hard drives and memory sticks and you like uh, SD cards, one for testing all of the sectors on your hard drive. So it would write a specific sequence of letters to every sector and read it back to make sure that every, the drive was still okay from from A to Z, basically. And the rest was all fine. So I was okay. Let's let's do the update. And why did you have to do that? Actually, like just so like uh, some of our listeners who might not be aware of this, what why did you have to run this special app to see it, what apps would make it through to Catalina? Because that sounds weird, right? Like why were why wouldn't certain apps work? Yeah, normally you wouldn't really think about that because what used to work will work the next day and life will go on. But it's been a year since Apple told everyone uh, via little pop-up messages when you run apps that certain apps are coded in 32 bits. And what you need to do is you need to recompile those apps on 64 bits for Catalina to work because they're dropping the support for 32 bits. So it's kind of like, um, imagine like you have a table and your table is... 32 columns, everything fits nicely. And all of a sudden, you, your, your, your computer only uses 64 column tables. But if you have all your data in the, in the first 32 columns, they need to be shifted to the right side of the table to still work properly. But if your computer is working for 32 and 64, it's not a problem. But if your computer is only 64, then it doesn't understand the binary if you want the table. So that's why you need to make sure that your apps are compatible and they have to be recompiled by the developer. So just push down an update and you would be fine. So you need to make sure that for Catalina that all your apps are 64 bits. Otherwise you'll start try to start them up and they won't start. So it's a kind of a big change. It is. And uh, I know um, the other host of this podcast who's not here. He's away on his honeymoon, like I mentioned. He uses the old version of GarageBand when he edits the show. And that no longer works on Catalina. And that's a, I think that's a big one because a lot of people have been held, holding on to that old version because it does a lot of stuff the new version doesn't do. And uh, that'll make a lot of people sad. Uh, on my end, I took a quick look to see what was 32-bit. And uh, all I really have is the programming software for my harmony remote and at this point they're not it's not even supported anymore so and i'm when i change this tv that it's being used on i'm going to change the remote as well at that point so it's not a big deal also i hardly have anything now right like my tv i got rid of everything i don't really have uh i don't have a vcr or anything or a dvd (laughs) player i just use an apple tv and that's it that's basically what we watch tv for the other thing it's connected to is the uh, nintendo switch which uh, we'll talk about that later, actually. You have an interesting story about your Switch, Alex. Um, So did anything go wrong with your update? 
Um, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> not not <laughs> defined wrong. No, but usually when I do any updates, uh, usually it's during my lunch break at work, or if I'm done with my workday, I just start the update, do something else, and when I come back like half an, half an hour to an hour later, it's done. In this case, I did the exact same thing as usual, plugged in on power, so it wouldn't like freak out because not enough battery or whatever. Did the update, went away for like 15 minutes, half an hour, came back, and it wasn't already on the desktop. I'm like, but I did not put my password. For some reason, it went to the black screen with the Apple logo, did something, went back to the the desktop. So I did that a second time, and it did the same thing exactly. And the third time, I really had to babysit it. It worked, but I don't think I did anything special, so... <laughs> kind of weird. Mm. And, and my usual recipe when I do those kind of updates is always close all apps, reboot. And when you're on a fresh reboot, close everything you can from the menu menu bar just so okay. that you have like a clean slate. And then I launch the updater. Because it's not a, just a regular update. It's a huge, huge thing. Yeah, like two, th- two three, four gigs. I don't remember. <laughs> it was big, yeah. And uh, Tyler, you're not interested in updating. You're, it, uh, it worries you too much to... Have to go through the whole thing. Yeah, I haven't done my work or my my personal computer. Did you do both, Alex, or just your work or just your personal? Just the work. And what I'm scared for the work thing about like homebrew and all like these command line tools that we're working with. And but I don't know if I've never been scared of it of any update before. But just because of all the noise and people saying that like hold off, hold off. I don't know. I'm and I don't see any. I don't see the reason to update except for like security updates and all that. So. I'm, I'll wait for now. Yeah, there's nothing to be afraid of because, like Docker-wise, Docker is already updated for a while. Homebrew always downloads the source code of those open source packages and compiles it, so it's already pre-compiled 64 bits on uh, Mojave, so you're already safe. Uh, the only big change is that the default shell goes from Bash to Z, uh, ZSH, so that's something that it is going to ask you every time you launch a new terminal window, but you don't have to change. It's only if you do a fresh install. What do you mean every that time? That's going to be on ZSH. Every time I open my every shell, time you op- my yeah, terminal. you'll have a little text message that says that uh, ZSH is not the default. So if you want to change, do this command to set it up. I use but fish. If you don't, the band. Yeah, the band. <laughs> <laughs> now, if anybody listening didn't understand what what Alex and Tyler were talking about, enjoy the fact that I did not understand half of what they said. It's just so uh, work stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Developer Computer tooling. geeks. Yeah, it's like if if I'm, I don't know how to like kind of explain this, but like if I'm a computer nerd, they're like my bosses. But you, do you know what <laughs> like YouTube DL is the command line tool? Yeah, I kind of look. I kind of know what command line tools are. I know what like the shell is. I never use it. Okay, I've heard of Docker because I listen to ATP. <laughs> but uh, apart from that, like it's it's stuff I don't come across. Right, I I use more I. I use the Mac more as like from the creative side of things, right? Like because I'm a, I'm an artsy fartsy nerd, but like I I use Logic, I use um, I use Final Cut sometimes, very rarely um, stuff like uh, important apps like Skype. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I, I use I use it more really for audio production stuff, right? Like I don't know much about coding apart from what I've what I've looked into myself just so like, you know, I like to understand how things work. So I, I did do like a deep tie, dive into learning about coding. So it's, it's, it's like, I know about it, but I know, I don't know how to do it. You know, like when, when Bart Simpson was asked if he knows his multiplication tables, 
well, uh, he said he knows of them. Well, so that's that's what I <laughs> how I feel about what you guys were talking about. Double density. Alex, you had mentioned to me you were having iCloud troubles. Are you still having them? Oh, yeah. And I just did just before recording. So Great. every time I boot my computer and once in a while, if I cancel that out, is asking me for my iCloud password because some iCloud features are not enabled until I do so. I cannot find which one because everything seems to work. But it bugs me for my password. And oh, if I enter it, crazy. it asks after that for my computer password to save it in my keychain, which is fine. I do it. I wait a while. I even leave the window open just like for half an hour just to make sure it really does its duties completely. And for some reason, I just close it eventually. And like an hour later, it's going to ask it again. So I did all the updates. There was a point update recently. I did that. Nothing changed. I hate those keychain uh, messages that pop up. I always think they they will they pop up on me the the one or two times I've changed my computer's password, and they'll. Uh, I, I but that's normal, right? Like when you when you change your password, the keychain will want to update. But yeah. if you're getting it without having updated your password, that's just annoying. It's probably because it did some kind of update for Catalina, and that that why that's why it's having some problems, but. I don't know. I'm hoping that like 13.1, not 13, but uh, 10, 15, 1, 2, 3. Where are we at? Let me look. 15. I'm not even sure. We're, we're, at, we're at 10. 15. 15.0. Yeah, but there, oh, there was a supplemental update. That's what. It was a supplemental. Yeah. It wasn't a dot update. Exactly. So I'm waiting for the dot 2 at least or 3 to really get those things fixed. And I think that's what I'm going to update. Because my worry actually is uh, I don't really have much. I, I run a very stock Mac. Like the only things that are installed on it that are not Apple really are are Skype for podcasting, Audio Hijack for podcasting. I have BB Edit, which is a very robust app, so that I'm not worried about that at all. And fully uh, supported. And and yeah, exactly. Uh, the Logic. I I use the Isotope um, plugins for when I do my podcasting, uh, and I add uh, the denoise, and I. On their website, they said that they're not fully supported, but I don't get that because if they're working in Logic now, they should continue working because Logic is already 64-bit. Yeah, yeah, it should, so should I, work. I think they're just being overly cautious, right? Because um, the the worst thing for a company like that is if a major music producer can't get any work done. So they warn people never to update. But that's the regular thing with anything to do with audio. Uh, like uh, when I remember when I, uh, it was two updates ago, I have a Tascam audio interface and Tascam was saying not to update because it's not necessarily supported. But anyway, let's let's move on from Catalina. All we know is that one of the three of us has updated. You've had a few problems. Tyler and I are terrified to update. Yeah, the only thing that you might be worried about is if you're running some old version of software like Photoshop CS5, which was, I think, the last one that was one-time purchasable. Uh, yeah. Since then, it's all subscription. And same thing for the old iMovie. You know, before the big rewrite. Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm not running. I'm movie stuff. six like, uh, and I, Quick QuickTime also the last one. I think these yes, are the that, only big yeah. things. That that's a bigger one. I know a few of the tech podcasters has to actually use that to record, and uh, that's not fun because that's totally changed. Yeah, but we'll go from uh, that. We talked about the. Let's switch things up and talk about the switch because uh, we had mentioned that earlier. Uh, Alex, you did something interesting with your son. Yeah, um, kind of a little father and son activity. We is the second time in the last couple of weeks that we actually do some uh, some parts switch in one of our consoles. The first one was the Nintendo Wii U. Uh, he's a big fan of Minecraft on that console, and for some reason the joystick were kind of messed up, and he was always 
like going left always. And even if we restarted the console, tried to unpair, repair the gamepad, it was always going in the wrong way. So I Is tried that the drift people are talking about. Probably, but it's not some that wasn't on my Wii U, not on the Switch. Oh, so, on the Wii U, okay, sorry. Because the the Wii U doesn't have any calibration software. So okay, you start it off, and that's it. Like your your initial position for the joystick, that's your Z axis and X and Y at yeah. this coordinates. It doesn't change. But on the Switch, you can actually try to. Uh, recalibrate it so it's not too bad so we did first we switched both joysticks from the wii u which very easy if you go on iFixit, you follow the guide it's an easy guide so it's pretty easy no soldering and just a couple of screws a bunch of screws basically and that's it but for the switch it was the fan that was giving us troubles it's still working but it makes some weird noise okay. so couple months ago i removed the back plate of the switch and i blew some air in it just to try to help it didn't really work so i said okay let me order some replacement fan from china which will take a couple weeks to get here there's no rush because everything is is quite working at this moment um so that's what we did so i got my fan eventually and i was able to take it apart and this time it was a bit more complex it was a moderate guide according to ifixit so there's no soldering involved but there's some cpu paste you have to remove from two oh, components. Yeah, wow. yeah. So I basically did a crash course to my son on how <laughs> to remove uh, all the paste, how to clean everything up, what not to do when you're scrubbing the paste off. You, you make, have to make sure that you don't remove any little uh, circuit chips from here and there because there are some <laughs> very, very small. Yeah, exactly. So got to be very, very, very slow, very, very careful. Uh, use also cotton swabs to make sure that everything is clean. And how much paste you put on, how do you apply it? Use your finger in a Ziploc, basically, to just move it around just to have the right shape. So did all that, changed the fan, and now it's all perfect. Nice. We, yeah, yeah. We, I, I always tell my, my kid, my, my son's younger than yours. He's only six, and yeah. uh, he can't stop moving while he plays with the Switch. And I kind of am nervous about that. But I am impressed that he's made it further than I have in the new Legend of Zelda game. And he's at the end, and he can't read yet. He he reads wow. a bit, right? Because he's in, he's in first grade, right? So he's learning how to read. But he's made it to the end. Basically, at first it started by watching me play, and mm-hmm. then he he passed me and said and asked if he could watch some of the people on YouTube play. And he's been following them on, on YouTube, playing and listening to what they say. So he 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 tries to get somewhere, can't get somewhere, figures it out on YouTube and then moves forward. So he's already at the end. It's pretty impressive. Wow. It's impressive. It reminds me of my good old days uh, of the first NES. I was not speaking English at all. So when I was playing, I was asking my grandma to translate me a couple of things, (laughs) but then I picked up Final Fantasy and she said, forget it. (laughs) You got to learn it. Exactly. And that's how I learned it. Who needs uh, to learn English in school when you have video games? Exactly. So Star Tropics, Final Fantasy, and Mario Bros. 3 was not too much text, but there was still a couple of texts here and there. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Tyler, did you, you didn't play many video games, right? Like, you didn't even know what Mario Kart was. Yeah, I knew, I knew what it was, but I never played. I played <laughs> uh, Tony Hawk. Okay. And yeah, because yeah, you're a little younger. And then NHL games at my friends, and that's pretty much it. The Switch, relatively... User user upgradable, user fix not upgradable, but fixable, right? Yeah. But um, I've been having trouble with something that is pretty much impossible to fix, and uh, that's my AirPods. They're great; they still work. It's just that 
one of them, the one I did not have replaced when, uh, so my left one last year, the, the microphone broke on it. Apple replaced it. Actually, I, I replaced it through my credit card. Uh, you know, when you get like uh, an extended warranty through your credit card, I got to replace that way. But my right one was perfectly fine. So now my right one dies way before my left one. Uh, and it seems like those batteries just fall off a cliff at one point, right? They they end up having decent power, decent power, decent power. And then all of a sudden they go from lasting two hours to 45 minutes to an hour. And wow. I don't, I know you both, both of you guys have AirPods and, um, Tyler, you said you've been having some trouble with yours as well. Yeah, just connection issues. I switch a lot from my my phone, my computer to my Apple TV, and every couple of days it gets it doesn't understand, and and then only one works, and then I have to pop them in the case, unpair them, repair them to the phone, and it's just they're wonky. Yeah, see, I've never been one to change them up. I I remember when I first got them, I'm like, oh, this is cool, right? They they kind of sync via iCloud. But it was such a hassle to change them on my. Uh, from, uh, the worst is actually going from an iPhone to a Mac or any iOS device to a Mac. I find the Mac has a lot of trouble uh, catching on with them. And on the train, I would go from my uh, iPhone to my iPad so I could watch something. And now I'm basically watching stuff on my iPad using wired headphones, like some sort of animal from the early 90s. Did you have many problems between the iPhone and the, and the iPad? Not many, no. The Not iPhone many. and the iPad actually were relatively easy to switch from. It was always the Mac that gave me some bizarre problems. Yeah, same for me. I don't understand what this, what is it, W1 chip is supposed to do. I guess it's just for the first connection because overall, like switching devices really, really sucks <laughs> compared to like, yeah, uh, you're, you're right. Yeah. Compared to, say, I have a pair of like uh, big headphones or like Bose wireless headphones and they can connect to two devices at once and they have like this physical switch that you just flip. And you can go through the devices that's like saved to the headphones if you want or saved pairing or whatever. And it's just so seamless compared to AirPods, which are supposed to be like this good W1 special pairing chip thing. AirPods are awesome as long as you keep them to one device, basically. Yeah, that's that's what people don't really mention a lot. Uh, on macOS, I've tried all those apps. Uh, Tooth Fairy is a good one where you have a little icon in your menu bar. You just is that click Guillermo it. Rambo? No, that's the other one, which is, I, don't, I don't have the name on hand and there's no icon for it, but I still have it uh, on my computer. Uh, he's using the private API as a private code that Apple doesn't share to do it. And I don't find it's better. I find it even less reliable. You just okay. flip open the case. They should pop up, but they rarely do. Uh, I think the whole Bluetooth stack on macOS is not as modern as the one on iOS. And that's probably one of the big reasons. But like you guys, I have the same problems. Uh, I feel that macOS keeps a hook on those AirPods and doesn't want to let go. Uh, yeah, whereas that makes sense, if, actually. And, and if I do the opposite, go from my phone to my Mac and I click the little icon, every time it works. Like it takes huh. about maybe two, three seconds and it's paired with the Mac. But the other way around, if I, my computer is shut down or, or even if it's just sleeping, uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it tries to get a hold of it. Because when your computer is flipped, uh, Bluetooth is still on and it does stuff in the background. And that's probably why it kind of get a grip on it and doesn't want to let go. But it's always a problem. Yeah, I, I have weird Bluetooth things on my Mac as well, but it's with my mouse. Like Actually, just before when I was setting up to record, my mouse wasn't connecting. And I don't like, you know, you click on it, turn it off and on, and then it finally connects. But it's odd. Batteries are still good in it. It's just, 
strange things. Bluetooth is strange, right? Because Apple likes it when they they own everything, right? But Bluetooth's a standard, so it, sometimes they'll have some trouble with it. They tried to make their own little standard with the AirPods, but still has to rely on Bluetooth as well. I will say AirPods are great overall if you use them with one device. Yeah, totally agree. And how long does your battery last? Oof, okay, so... I now had to change my entire way of commuting, basically, like in terms of what I do entertainment wise. I now like I don't put them on when I leave the house. I just walk to the train station without them in my ears. Um, and on the, once I get on the train, I just puts around on the phone a bit, maybe read something. Okay. <laughs> and, and then uh, part way, like uh, two or three train stations in, I then put them on and listen to a podcast. And even at that, um, sometimes just as I get to work, I get the the sad sound to say the one of them is about to die. They've actually only died on me three or four times, but I've I've tried to prevent that. And now on the way home, I'll listen to something on the way from work to the train, and then once I'm on the train, I I pull out the iPad and watch something on Netflix via wired headphones. I might have a solution yeah. for you. Buy new you know, one, new ones one at a well, time. Close. Close. If you go to the Genius Bar and say, hey, my AirPods are crap, I want to get them replaced, uh, I think it's about $138 US for that. But if you tell them, yes, it's almost the price of a brand new new set. But if you ask them for the battery service, it's $49 per AirPod. So that's US. Is it in Canada? It's US. It's it's $98 in Canada for that. Double the price? Yep, double the price. I looked it up. I would try. I would still try. Go to the Apple store. Just ask, hey, my batteries are bad on one ear. Uh, can I just get a battery service, replace the battery in them? And just make like... Well, be and innocent. they don't. They just give you a new one, right? Exactly. So, so maybe try that. Maybe it's 60, 69, 79, but... Yeah, it's still cheaper than buying a whole new set. That's for sure. Yes. And you only have one that has a problem. Fine. Yeah. So I might, I may end up doing that because I feel it's, you know, more bang for your buck, I guess. Although it's crazy paying a hundred bucks for one headphone. The thing is, is that now that I'm looking at all their companies coming out with these AirPods, remember how people were freaking out how expensive the AirPods were? Yeah. They're not. Like these newer ones coming out are, don't seem as good and they're more expensive. Those, those ones by Google are really ugly. Yeah. Sony makes some, uh, Jabra makes some, which are, expensive but often on sale so you can get them pretty pretty cheap like 129 i think a colleague of mine got the, his job that's for pretty good, actually yeah it's pretty good uh yeah but everyone has some and even microsoft they announced some but for next year yeah like, okay and more expensive than the airpods and yeah, so, no, yeah not worth it so now going from uh, something happy like the airpods although they haven't been working um i, I started an argument between you guys the other day which was kind of <laughs> oh, funny not again because uh, I, no, so we're we're not gonna we're not gonna rehash the argument. You guys are not allowed to say which one you prefer. <laughs> yeah, because I'm right. Okay, no, see, stop, Alex. I'm gonna cut you off this call. <laughs> oh no! And then it's just gonna be me and Tyler talking about F one. No, talking uh, about spaces and how they're better than tabs. Yes, so tabs without Alex and spaces. I don't get it because I'm not a programmer. I have uh, the first time I really heard about this was on the show Silicon Valley on uh, HBO where he broke up with his girlfriend because she preferred tabs and he preferred spaces, I think. No, she, or she preferred versa. spaces. And they had like this weird thing. She kept hitting the space bar instead of using tab, but that's okay. Why is this such a, a strange religious argument amongst nerds? 
I and can make guys, it. you have to don't don't take a, <laughs> don't take a side here. Just explain why this argument has started. It's easy. Think of something. It's exactly the same thing as uh, any other uh, job, basically, where you have your job to do, but everyone has a way to do it and a preference. Okay. So let's let's say I don't know your job is repairing cars. Well, if you work on your own car, you might clean up a couple more parts. You might do something different. You might not tighten the bolts too much because you know that too much pressure is not good. Like you have your little preferences, basically. Okay. And in computer programming, the language itself has some flexibility. So you you can see that okay, this is my code because it looks like how I usually code, but there's always one thing that comes back and it's how you format your code. So how many spaces before uh, a bracket, how many spaces before a function name or after a function name or so there's little things that you can play with. So many, many languages don't have any standards so you can do whatever you want. You can put everything on one line if you like, and that's okay. perfectly fine. But some languages messy. have res- restriction. Yeah, messy, but still computer will understand. But some languages have more structure and they force you to have a certain space at a certain place. And even some more modern language, they even have a formatter that comes in. So it reformats your code every time you save a file so that everyone is the same, which is good. But when you're in between these two extremes, all hell breaks loose and you can have spaces or tabs. And it really is a matter of preference. Some have preferred one for many reasons and some have preferred the other one and it's so so much it's such a big thing in the computer world that it's even tracked by stack overflow which is a kind of a new new way of doing a forum where people ask questions and people give answers uh, all related to computer programming and they even make a survey every year and that's one of the questions and they track huh. who makes more money depending on if they use spaces or tabs that's so, so funny <laughs> Have, has this ever come up on ATP? When I may, when I, as to our listeners who don't know what that is, uh, we had uh, one of their hosts on the show, Casey Liss. Uh, they, uh, it's the Accidental Tech Podcast, and all three of them are programmers. And uh, I can't remember this ever coming up. I, maybe they said not to discuss it because they don't, they don't want to ruin friendships. Um, I, I don't I know. Don't think, no, it didn't I, come up. We That's should send sure. in, they have an Ask ATP segment. One of us, all three of us should send in the question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> That'd That's be a nice. Tad suspicious. Question mark? So, uh, Tyler, you were getting upset uh, before. Uh, what what Alex said, is that accurate? Yeah. And I, and okay. I'm, what we can agree, though, on is, like, in a project, as a team, you decide which one you want to do and how you want to format it and then respect it as a team. Like, if... If whatever okay. people choose, whatever the team chooses, yeah, people yeah. should should apply it. Yeah, for sure. Tabs, spaces. I'm glad uh, we just kind of. I just kind of wanted to bring this up while we have two people that deal with this on an everyday basis. Brian and I, uh, even though we enjoy tech, we don't go that deep into it. And I've always found this whole tabs versus spaces argument pretty interesting and sort of funny. Uh, but I was worried about you two the other day because I almost want to like take a snapshot of our <laughs> of the conversation that we'd had in iMessage and it was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, I, I was like, mostly trolling. I don't really care, I know, seriously. I know. No, me neither. I know. I, know. I, pre- I figured I you guys tab- were doing that. Yeah, I prefer tabs, but it's just because that's how I always had it. And when I was used, when I was forced by the team to use spaces, I always find it weird that I sometimes have to move my cursor around four times for so no reason, and can just hold. But it's just out. a matter of preference. <laughs> okay, I I feel this degenerating. So, um, <laughs> but so one last thing before we go. Uh, this was brought up to me the, this afternoon by Tyler in our uh, 
and not in our, we have uh, Tyler and Alex and I have a, um, a podcast geeks, uh, little iMessage group, but Tyler sent this to me uh, alone because Alex doesn't care about F1. But <laughs> apparently uh, a team has been caught cheating in F1. What, what can you tell us about this? And this does fall into tech because uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but basically Formula One cars are computers on wheels. Yeah, I do know that. Uh, I used to listen to, to, to watch F1 with my grandma when she was still with us. Uh, that was in the Jacques Villeneuve days. So oh, man. Like 97. There was a while. Things have changed. I, I, I assume things are changed. And it was yeah. pretty great. Those couple of years with an uh, uh, Italian guy that I forgot his name that had an accident in skiing, um, Michael Schumacher. Well, so he's not, yeah, he was German, but yeah. he drove the Yeah, fire. I was like, yeah. the Italian so, guy that has an accident in skiing. <laughs> I was questioning my <laughs> F1 fandom. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, so, Tyler, what what's happening in F in the F one world? What uh, a team has accused another team of cheating, and, and of course, the team is the Canadian team with the Canadian driver that nobody seems to like. Right. So, the, the, not the Canadian driver that has bought his dad bought the team. Yes, that's it's so <laughs> exactly. uh, it's such a that like a soap opera <laughs> thing, but it's like I drive because my daddy owns the team. <laughs> well, daddy wow. sounds weird. It's uh, it's just his dad. Yes, it's his dad. Uh, and they are from, uh, from Quebec as yeah, well. So, yeah, okay. from Montreal. So what's happening? It's a little nerdy, but um, F1 drivers, they have to adjust, manually adjust the brake bias. So that's like the force applied to the, the percentage of brake force applied to the front versus the rear of the car. So corner by corner, say it's a sharp corner, they want a 60% brake bias to the front and 40 to the back. So that they have to adjust it manually throughout the lap. Yeah, because if they don't do that, sometimes, depending on where they are, uh, brakes can literally catch on fire. Yeah, because also they don't have ABS, so they have to all, they have to modulate that through their feet, well, through their foot, left foot. So the what this team did, Renault, um, French team. Uh, I like that you pronounce it properly. Uh, what, what is it? I can't, I can't say English words. No, in... that's like, that's how the, uh, it, it's like, there's a, there's a driver in F1. His name is, his, if the three of us were to say it, his name is Charles Leclerc. But when he speaks English, he actually says his name is Charles Leclerc. Leclerc and yeah. that's how he says it. It's, it's kind of interesting. So the team is Renault uh, or, or Renault and they're from France. And uh, yeah, what have they done? Per circuit, they have like this programmed brake bias so the driver doesn't have to adjust it so so it automatically does yeah so it probably has a gps or something and then it says okay we're we're coming up to corner number four or turn number four and so we the driver prefers like 60 percent uh front or something and then next turn he wants 55 percent or something like that but i don't get why i don't get the advantage of it but i think it's like something tire related or or fuel related because as the as the race goes on they have less fuel so the car's lighter so they have to adjust their brake bias according to like what they were using at the start of the race versus like the five laps la- the the last laps or something like that so i don't know what like exactly the advantages is but this is like yeah well but apparently uh f1 thinks it was because uh the team we mentioned to be before sport i can never say the name because they changed their name last year and it's sport Peso Racing Point, am I getting that right? Yeah, Racing Point. And they put out like some 12-page document accusing uh, Renault that they've been using this computer program, basically. Um, I don't know if they use tabs or spaces in it, but uh, it doesn't really <laughs> matter. Uh, basically, what it does is, is like Tyro said, it, it kind of controls the brake bias on the car 
making it, I guess, a little easier. The driver doesn't have to really think about it. And I like the drivers for Renault. I, I, I kind of, and next year they're going to have another driver who I actually like as well. And I kind of feel bad, but they they got stripped of their points that they got at the Japanese Grand Prix last week. Last week, but this is like typical F one. They they're always cheating somehow, always. And then it comes out. It usually comes out a little bit later, and then it gets banned. But like they get handed a rule book at the beginning of the year, and the best team is the one that can find like the gray areas in that rule book or uh-huh. can exploit this weird flaw that everybody not flaw but like advantage that everybody missed and. They come up with it, and then two, three races in, everybody catches up. But that's that's basically F one. That's the that's the soap opera, soap opera that is F one. And I'm actually really looking forward to uh, the Netflix documentary. It'll probably be out sometime in March, right? They they kind of release it just before the season starts yeah, to get the hype train so that's going. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, well, that's what got me back in. It worked on me, and I'm actually excited because this year they'll probably focus on the uh, Canada Grand Prix because uh, some interesting stuff happened there, so that'll be fun. Because last year I was waiting and waiting when they could do the Montreal Grand Prix, and they did nothing about it because it was kind of boring. So uh, from F1 cheating and tabs and spaces, we're going to go on to the paranormal. See you guys there. What could space be? What could it be made of? What the heck is all those lights out there? Is it just a black curtain with holes in it? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Double density. All right, here we are in Paranormal. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember what Brian says when we come back to the Paranormal, but here we are in the Paranormal uh, without Brian, who's our, our Paranormal expert. And uh, you have three tech nerds talking about the Paranormal. So, But uh, stick around. Don't leave because it'll actually be pretty interesting. We're going to... Last, last episode, we kind of touched on photography and ghostly stuff and why some weird stuff shows up in photos. And I know for a fact Tyler and Alex know their way around the uh, camera and not just an iPhone, a real camera as well. And I wanted to kind of talk about what can cause these photographic anomalies or if they think there's ever been anything weird caught in a photo. Uh, I have a few examples and some of these we can spend an entire episode on, which uh, I think Brian and I would actually want to do that with one of them. But we're just going to kind of go over these things quickly and focus more on what could possibly cause uh, issues with cameras to make weird stuff happen. So of the three of us, who would we say is the more uh, photography uh, nerdy guy? Is it, is it, Alex. Uh, is it you, Tyler? I'd no, say? it's Alex. It's Alex, really? Oh, because yeah, you're yeah, the one time. I was talking about your camera. So, so mm-hmm. Alex is more nerdy with cameras. So Alex, what's happening in a camera when you see some weird anomaly? And does it happen more now that we move to digital because in my mind, it seems to have happened more in the past. Am I correct about that? I think you are correct. And there are so many things that can go wrong, uh, especially for all film cameras, because one reason, light hits the film and records it. What can go wrong? Light can go inside your camera by a, a little crack or by like a maladjusted piece or something. And that little tiny little speck of light can put something on the film that you're not expecting, like a a big white spot or something like that. And before you know it, you're a ghost photographer. Exactly. Or you can even do a double exposure where your camera forgets to roll the film and you mm. take two pictures on the same square of film 
So you have one that's correctly exposed. That's the main picture. And then for some reason, let's say you're just walking around and then you hit the button without realizing it and you snap some man with a pair of jeans. And because the film was already exposed, the, the, the man does not get exposed properly and looks semi-transparent ghost-ish. <laughs> so yeah, here's your ghost. So it's I, it's, I like that you went really specific uh, with a man with a pair of jeans. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody wears jeans, but... But, but those are, are really creepy photos, actually. Those are the creepiest ones. And I think double exposures is how a lot of like ghost photography was done in the past, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And you can't really do that anymore with digital cameras, right? Because you're just... Say, I, I actually love to joke with, with my wife when the kids are around and say, we, we, had, we went to the zoo this weekend and we took, I think I took 200 pictures. But I like to joke and say, oh, I, this is only a roll of 30 Um Kids these days don't know what that means, but uh, I think I we're all three of us are, are old enough to remember film and how you had to buy like rolls of twenty four or rolls of thirty two. Just barely. Can you hear? Can you hear this? I have a roll right here. Oh wow! Can you even get that done anywhere? I don't know. It's a two hundred VX super film for color prints. Oh boy, Konica Minolta. And Tyler, you're barely old enough to remember. You said, yeah, I remember the first digital camera. I was super young. I don't remember the like film camera. I just remember going to Jean Coutu, like the pharmacy here and picking up the, the, the like pictures that my mom would get developed. In case anybody's wondering, Tyler is 15 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, you're not actually that no, young. I'm 29. Like, it's, 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 yeah. So, oh, see, I thought you were 30. See, oh my God, you're still 29. Next year. Um, <laughs> next year. But still like, so, uh, you know, we, we've got 13 years difference in our, and so like, I, I remember I got a camera uh, as a gift for, uh, um, something that uh, Catholics do. My, my, not my first communion. What's the other one? The confirmation. I got a, a yep. camera for that. Uh, see, that's how good of a Catholic I am. <laughs> uh, I can't remember <laughs> what they're called, but, uh, yeah, so I got a camera. I used to take pictures and I used to get super excited when something would go wrong and I'd get a double expo- exposure because it was really interesting. And, um, one of the pictures I want to talk about here is the Soloway Spaceman. And that, in my opinion, is nothing to do with a double exposure, but it has everything to do with how people misremember things. Uh, did you guys take a look at uh, what that picture is? Yes. Yep. Now, you see something in the background behind the, uh, the, the little girl. So this picture was taken by Jim Templeton. Uh, apparently using a 1950s model Zeiss Contax Pentacon F SLR camera. An SLR, Alex, can you explain what that is for our listeners? Yeah, it's a camera that has a mirror. So when you look into through the camera, what you see is what the camera will see. So you're, what you're, it's a set of mirrors that bounces you, what the camera sees through them to your eye. But when you press a shutter button, it lifts the camera so that the sensor or the film is exposed to the light and it can record the picture and then brings it back down. It can do that like a one two thousandth of a second all the way up to like 30 or 60 seconds. And to, to us, like uh, when we when we talk, we jokingly refer sometimes to real cameras versus iPhones and stuff. And I I have a, a DSLR, which is a, a that stands for, if I'm not mistaken, uh, mistaken uh, single lens reflex. Yes. Something like that. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and the D stands for digital. And I have a, a Rebel XS, which I got uh, just after my daughter was born. And I used a lot. And I'll be honest with you, even though it's uh, 10 years old, 
in some situations, it takes better pictures than my my newer iPhone. Yeah, well, the, the, the SLR thing is the same thing that works with film. The only difference is instead of exposing a film for a amount of seconds or milliseconds, you're basically just exposing the sensor and the sensor itself is synchronized with the mirror so that it takes the exact same amount of input and then closes itself and also stops recording through the sensor. So it works the same way. And yeah, so the main reason why your, your your big camera usually is better is because it's actual optics. There's no computers okay. that yeah. tries to fake like bokeh, which is the the blurry of the background. It's all yeah, optics, and, and you can easily find mistakes with that when you take pictures with uh, an iPhone. I, I usually I try it, and sometimes it turns out really great, but other times I find myself just uh, turning off. Uh, luckily, you can turn off the fake bouquet on a on an iPhone uh, after the fact. Now, yeah. you brought up something about the viewfinder and what you look in. And in uh, the uh, Rational Wiki article I linked uh, you guys to, you see that when Templeton took this picture, in his viewfinder, he actually couldn't see who was behind his daughter because in the viewfinder, you only saw about 70% of the actual frame that ended up being taken. I know my camera is like that as well. You don't see, it's not a full frame camera as they're called. Those are a little bit more expensive, right? Yeah. And in this case, it's pretty clear to me when there's other pictures, there's another picture they show of his daughter with his wife in the picture. And the person behind his daughter is probably his wife that he just didn't realize was there. And and this happens with, with people, right? We don't remember what's around us necessarily when we're yeah. taking pictures and stuff. So, of course, he says, I don't remember somebody standing there. Yeah, you probably don't. It's uh, I, I promised Brian I wouldn't bring this up, but it's how magic tricks work, right? It's like <laughs> part of what makes a magic trick magical is the way you control the audience to not understand what they're seeing and misremember what they saw. Yeah, you may, you force them to pay attention to something that is not where the trick is happening. So they can do something on the side and it doesn't really appear to them because they are concentrated on your hand, on your left hand, and you're doing something with your right hand. Exactly, and magic happened. Yep. And, and in this case, he, he wasn't necessarily misdirected, but he didn't see at all what the actual picture was going to show. Now... The interesting stuff with this story is that he goes on to talk about strange people coming and visiting him, and they referred to themselves as number nine and number 11, like some sort of uh, men in black came to see him about where he took this picture and who he saw. And I I think he kind of ran away with the story in this case. I'm not sure what you guys think. Weirdly, when I look at this picture, what I can think of is only a Ferengi from Star Trek, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the, those like this kind of like little uh, air headpiece, kind of a little veil that they have on the back of their heads, yeah. and that looks like that. So I, it's probably not that. No, it's it's just a little girl, and it's the mom caught in the background. It's really I don't I don't think that's a spaceman. That's just. I don't think so. And I don't think it's a double exposure either. The double exposure ones are a lot more creepy. And yeah, because they're semi-transparent. Tyler just sent us a weird picture of old digital cameras. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, wow. That's nice. <laughs> we should put that, I'll, if I can, I'll put it in the show notes. It was my first digital um, camera. Yeah. Well, family. That was your first? No way. First family really? digital camera, yeah. And it had a diskette in yeah, it. Yeah, it took a diskette and this weird little like piece of old gum Sony, Sony, uh, memory card stick thing, memory stick. I think it was called. Wow, I'll put this in the show notes for everybody to see. It has an optical ten times zoom and uses three point five inch floppy disks. Wow, 
There wow. was also a big series of Apple cameras, the Quick Take, which yeah. had the same mechanism on a diskette. So that was revolutionary because those memory sticks, they were extremely ex- expensive. And they came out just a couple of years before the SD cards. And they were not purchasable. Like you could take like 20 pictures on a memory card and made no sense. But those diskettes were like 12 for a dollar or whatever. And you could take maybe five or six pictures on each, but you could have a whole stack in your bag and it would be good to go for the whole day. So, And, and now uh, Apple is actually using the quick take name in uh, the iPhone 11s with yep. uh, the way you can film. I actually haven't used that feature at all uh, yet. Uh, we took a lot of pictures at the zoo this week with... Uh, the iPhone 11. I realize we're like moving between tech and paranormal, <laughs> but this, this is good. This is bound to happen when you have three tech nerds on. I promise yeah. we're going to get to another interesting article in a second, but I, I actually saw an iPhone uh, pro iPhone 11 pro as well. Uh, some guy had a green one there uh, as we were looking at the lions and he was taking pictures with it. Pretty cool phone. Um, okay. Now back to the paranormal. So you guys, um, Tyler, what do you think of the picture? Did you, did you think it was creepy? Did you think it was a spaceman or did you, uh, do you agree with, uh, with me in that it's probably his wife? If you, if you did just show me the picture, I would never have thought it was a spaceman. I just thought it was somebody like standing in the back there with his, the back of his head or something. I would never think it was a spaceman. See, but we live in the future. Uh, but right. in the past, when this picture was taken, I guess like that, it did. It does look kind of interesting. It does look like somebody's wearing like some sort of visor or something. But you're right; it could ju- it's just somebody in the background, it's the back of his head. And he, yeah, and uh, it's probably his wife, which is probably what it is. And and it's not uncommon. We don't remember what's like. I've taken pictures, and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that person was in the shot, but they were. And that's all there is to it. Now, the next one's kind of interesting. It comes from the Charlotte Observer. And uh, somebody mentioned, uh, so the, the, the headline is, Eerie photo from NC Wildlife Camera has some looking to the supernatural in the dark. Um, guys, it looks like an owl. It's always an owl. <laughs> They're a little it, creepy. It, it looks creepy, but it looks like an owl to me or just an eyeball of some animal. But it can be anything. Yes, exactly. It means nothing. Uh, but this is what happens because people get very excited about these things. They really want to believe. And that's what we talked about in the last episode where we had mentioned photography. I don't know if you guys, I, I didn't give you the links to that. But uh, if you're good listeners, you probably uh, went to the links as you were listening to the episode. But there were weird things that happened on iPhone cameras. But to me, it looked like some sort of bizarre shot. And that that's where I wanted to go um, at the end of this conversation is ask you guys, what can happen now with digital photography in terms of anomalies? Anomalies, I don't know, but like just uh, hoaxing anything, I think, especially with digital pictures. Like they can just fake anything and absolutely everything. And that's the thing. People will fake things sometimes and then forget they faked it and think it's real. Yeah, what is real? We don't know. Is this even yeah, real? We might it. even be in the Matrix. Alex, have you have you ever come across anything weird with your cameras? The only thing I can think of is artifacts from reflection. So if you're, let's say your, your camera lens on your big camera or your phone maybe has finger grease on or... okay. So that can have like some weird effects where you see part of the picture refracted on itself. So that could happen. Um, some weird light rays like that could bounce around 
objects and then to the land. So the, there could be some weird exposure, exposing exposure like that. Um, but I would say most of the time it's just something that you don't see from this angle and you're not sure. And you know, your imagination just runs wild. Like, like this picture, like, what is it? Like maybe a critter. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's just like an, those uh, night butterflies. Uh, they sometimes have shapes oh, yeah. on their wings. So that could be just that. Sometimes they even look like owls or eyes because that's how they, they scare off predators. So that could just be that. Well, I added, I added the link to the, to the Atlantic article we talked in the last episode to our show notes. If you want to take a look, um, to me, the photos in that one look like it's basically, like you said, a reflection of some kind or something went wrong in the iPhone. I don't know if you, you want to take a look at those. Yeah, I just added looking. the link. So scroll yeah. down, you'll see the little boy. It totally looks like just a reflection of the little boy next to him. And then the guy with the dog, it basically looks like a reflection of that exact shot. It's You see his head and he's holding a dog. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's exactly that. It's, it's double exposed, but those were digital camera, digital cameras and not film cameras. That was, those were iPhone fours. Hmm. An iPhone four and iPhone four S is what she had mentioned in the article. Yeah. Oh no. So now you're, now you're intriguing me. So you think it's, it's, it, it might actually be a ghost. Did we no. discover ghosts? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm, I'm, no, uh, I, I would say like the little boy, it's almost like a perfect picture of him, like if he was just yeah. translated and copied over. So I would go, maybe there was a software glitch when yeah. the phone was processing the image and he did, did a, it, there was a bug in or something happened while it was processing the image and some memory was lost or copied or whatever. And it tried to maybe, I don't know, like fill in the blanks or something. So that, that or feels, yeah. Or a ghost. Yeah. What's with the dog? Top. Top left. The guy in the back. She says, the guy in the back, she said there was nobody there. Uh, But to me, if you look carefully, uh, again, I'm kind of repeating what I said last week, but I I wanted to discuss it with you guys because you might have a a sense of more about what could have gone wrong in terms of the software. If you look, it looks like exactly like the reverse, right? Like, look, the guy's bald and he's looking down sort of with, right? Yeah. Why is it super overexposed in the background? What's wrong? What? And why is this picture so small? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the Atlantic. <laughs> they don't have space to put more pictures. Uh, you know how expensive it is to run a magazine? Yeah, CDN is <laughs> very expensive. Ultimately, in digital cameras, it's a lot harder for weird stuff to happen. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. And, and in this case, for the, the overexposed one, it's, it's maybe a reflection on the wall. And that was lost in the the overexposed part, or like you said, his face, or there's a bunch of possibilities. There's a TV right next to him, so maybe his face was reflected on the TV and then back on the wall, or maybe that's not even a wall. Maybe that's like a, a maybe a there's window? like a, a frame or a window, and because of the overexposure, you only see part of the thing, and you lose all the details around the the, the frame or the window, and all you see is just the middle part, which is the darkest part. So maybe yeah. that's just that. It's always fascinating to me that we're going to try our best to kind of figure out that it's a ghost instead of actually thinking that it could just be some sort of glitch or whatever. Um, In film cameras, I will say the anomalies were a lot more fun. Uh, Like you said, double exposure. uh, You could see a guy in jeans. (laughs) Uh, Or um, oftentimes you get like a hair, which would kind of make an interesting effect as well. Um, People are still obsessed with orbs. 
and that happens when people use flashes, which um, uh, tip from the three of us, don't use a flash, correct? Never use a flash. Never. Exactly. See, you guys know what you're talking about. There, there's one simple reason for that is if you take a picture and everything is too dark, you can, using Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever, bring out the details. But if you use a flash and you transform part of the image in white, then you burned the image and there's no details anymore. And even if you try to lower down this, this part of the image, you have no details to, to get back. So you're screwed. So you better underexpose and then raise back that back up, then overexpose and lose all the details. So flash is, is always bad. If you, use a, if you don't use a flash, though, you're never going to be able to catch orbs. They only get caught with flashes. Well, aren't those like dust particles? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's end this episode with uh, a couple of pet peeves we have about how people take photography. And mine is people with uh, iPhones in a huge stadium using their flash to take a picture of the person on stage. That will not work, or am I wrong? A flash basically <laughs> will illuminate about 10 feet in front of them, if that. Yeah, if you're lucky, 10 feet, that's at most. And even at 10 feet, you probably won't see much difference on the picture. You need to be really like under six feet to really make a difference. Yeah. Everybody just needs to go and spend $1,000 and buy one of the new iPhones that have really good night uh, photo photography. Uh, I took a couple of pictures. I, I will confirm uh, pretty great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it works really well. Uh, Tyler, do you have any uh, photography pet peeves? I know what your actual pet peeve is uh, when you are on the train. Force quitters. People, uh, force quitting their apps. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you could use that as your paranormal uh, pet peeve, yeah. but I guess uh, they're not catching any ghosts. They're just uh, wasting their battery. Yeah, but I guess it's the classic uh, portrait videos. Oh yeah, that's that's not good. Um, people, please, and if you if you're gonna shoot a UFO, shoot it in widescreen uh, and uh, don't zoom in because digital <laughs> zoom is terrible. yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> digital zoom and movement not good. Yeah. Oh yeah, that reminds me, we were at the zoo and a nice lady took our picture, and uh, she digital zoomed in. Oh, that's so nice. Even on my wife's like iPhone 11, like if you digital zoom in, you're not going to look as nice. The thing with digital zoom is it's exactly that. Basically, take the picture. You can zoom in later because basically what it's doing is cropping the photo. Exactly. And that's not helpful to anybody. But it will help you catch, capture orbs because the picture will be all fuzzy. You know, the solution to teaching somebody to not digital zoom is buy a fixed lens and then hand them that camera. That's what I did with my wife. She kept zooming all the time, and now the camera we bought to take pictures of her daughter is a fixed lens or prime lens. I think it's prime, right? That's how we call it, Alex. Yeah, yeah prime yeah, lens. Prime lens. So she can't zoom, and she keep she keeps grabbing like the barrel of the lens and trying to zoom. <laughs> but now she gets it that it's a lot nicer and sharper. So that's the solution. Yeah, I like prime lenses. I, I've taken my best pictures with uh, my fifty millimeter prime lens, and uh, I still think, even though, like I said, the camera's old, and at this point, you know, it's. Um, it's not as advanced as the photos even on my iPhone 8 Plus. Um, it still takes pretty amazing pictures uh, for a $100 lens. Alex, you had a pet peeve you were going to say? Yeah, iPads in like, oh. let's say like a, a, a recital or anything that parents go to and they just stand up in the middle of the crowd with their big 10-inch iPad. Or even I saw even one a big iPad Pro 12-inch iPad oh my God. As, as the camera. But the worst thing is that they're actually zooming, like you said, like pinch, like to 10x in video recording. All you see is a blurry little 
thing in the middle and a bunch of color blobs around and that's your video like at this People point just really, uh, just sit down and just look and remember that's it that's so that's that's a philosophy i have now when i go watch my kids do anything i may snap a quick picture but i'm not gonna stand there and do a whole video yeah um yeah. because because I find, you're never gonna watch it again uh, that's for sure like i i did video my daughter's uh ballet but that's because she wanted me to do that so i'm not gonna not do that even though she wants like and also i i end up going to that show like four times because it's it's like several performances so but um so i think um, this episode even though uh, brian wasn't here went pretty good although we kind of went off the rails with uh, more tech stuff than paranormal but i think people may have learned something uh, a thing or two actually about how photography works and why you ended up catching a ghost in your picture uh, but it's probably not a ghost so uh, where can people find you guys on them internets uh, alex you can find me at valier on twitter so v-a-l-l-i-e-r-e-s and you can find our podcast at rgba.fm And if you just Google me, like Alexandre Valier, you'll find me. It's mostly me everywhere. So that's easy. Yeah. And I'll have links to your stuff on uh, the uh, Double Density uh, guest page. And Tyler, what about you? I'm Tyler Menard. So Twitter handle is T-Y-L-E-R-M-E-N-A-R-D. And uh, people can catch you watching F1 races and figuring out who's cheating. Yeah, exactly. No, I don't figure out. I just watch. Well, guys, uh, I think we did okay. Brian should be happy with this. Well, he'll he'll let us know uh, in a couple of weeks when he's uh, back on the episode. Um, and uh, with that, I guess uh, I, he says usually something funny at the end, doesn't he? Um, I have nothing funny to say. So uh, with that, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Enjoy your honeymoon. Bye-bye.